You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Coming off its third and final bye week of the season, Kansas State football begins the final run of the 2020 regular season with the first of two road games, a contest at 17th-ranked Iowa State on Saturday inside Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa. The game, which has implications for one of the top two spots in the Big 12 standings, kicks off at 3 p.m. and will be shown on Fox. K-State is looking to bounce back from a pair of losses prior to its bye, the latest being a narrow 20-18 setback against then number 14 Oklahoma State that dropped the Wildcats to 4-3 overall and 4-2 in Big 12 play. Iowa State enters the game at 5-2 overall and 5-1 in the Big 12. Welcome to the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame show. The Wildcats are playing out the rest of the season with a true freshman quarterback in Will Howard, who is in line to start his fifth straight game on Saturday in Ames. With wins in his first two starts at TCU and against Kansas, he became the first K-State true freshman signal caller to win his first two starts under center. However, staunch defenses from West Virginia and Oklahoma State have sent Howard into the losing column along with his teammates. And another true freshman Running back Deuce Vaughn continues to impress as he leads the team in rushing and receiving, the only player in the Big 12 to lead his team in both categories. However, once again, West Virginia and Oklahoma State did a great job of bottling up Vaughn and taking him out of the Kansas State offensive game plan. On defense, a pair of senior linebackers from Georgia, Justin Hughes and Elijah Sullivan, are among the Wildcats' top tacklers, along with safety Jerron McPherson. And a total of 16 Wildcats have tallied at least a half a tackle for loss, while nine players have at least one sack. The defensive line continues to shine for the Cats, led by senior tackle Drew Wiley. McPherson and Justin Gardner lead the team with a pair of interceptions and turnovers will be a key in this game as they typically are. Kansas State's special teams ranks first nationally in efficiency according to ESPN thanks in large part to a blocked punt in each of the first four games and two punt return scores against Kansas by the Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week Philip Brooks. West Virginia and Oklahoma State did a really good job of bottling up Kansas State's special teams. I think you're seeing a trend here. If Kansas State can move the ball, if Deuce Vaughn can get free, and special teams can make a play along with the defense being as stout as it has been in recent games, K-State could make this a really good game 
with the Iowa State Cyclones. I am Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat. I will be joined shortly by Kevin Keatsman of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, his new podcast that can be found on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere where you download your podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. This is an enormous game for Kansas State. They roared out of the gate in the Big 12 with four straight victories and now have lost two in a row, but all is not lost for these cats because they are still in contention for a spot in the Big 12 title game. A trip to Iowa State followed by a trip to Baylor and then a home game with Texas will close out the regular season for the Wildcats. Three victories would almost assure a spot for the Cats in that title game. However, as this game nears, a cloud of uncertainty hangs over the fact that this game might not even be played on Saturday. COVID-19 has had an outbreak in Manhattan and We've already learned that Kansas and Texas have been postponed until December 12th because of problems in Lawrence. Will Manhattan follow suit and be forced to postpone this game at Iowa State? Well, we will find out as the week progresses. Maybe news will come on Thursday. So this is indeed possibly a pregame podcast for a game that may not take place until December 12th. Both teams are free on the 12th, which is the week between the end of the regular season and the Big 12 championship game on the 19th. And as we sit here today, this game is very important in sorting out the standings of the Big 12 Conference. We have a lot to talk about. As I mentioned, Keats awaits in just a second. And in the second half of our podcast, we will open up the roundtable to Go Power Cats Ryan Wallace, our football analyst Brian Hanley, and Kelly Stewart will join us from Las Vegas to talk about the gambling angles in this game. And now we bring in Kevin Keatsman of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Keats, I don't know where this team's headed. They've played the two best defenses now in the Big 12 in back-to-back games and lost. West Virginia, they weren't very competitive. Oklahoma State, K-State showed some kind of signs of life, but not enough offense to win a football game. And as they head to Iowa State this weekend, Keats, I don't know how they're going to do it. I know they're low on players. They've got injuries. They've got COVID again. But they have to find a way to generate more offense with limited tools. And that is not easy for any football coach, let alone a Big 12 coaching staff that is going up against a pretty rock-solid Iowa State team this weekend. Well, there's no doubt they're offensively challenged. I think the big question for Chris Kleiman at this point is, I mean, they did nothing against West Virginia. That's not acceptable. And they, and they had turnovers in that game, but against Oklahoma state, they were not great offensively, but they did just enough. If they hadn't had the big turnover uh, toward the end of the game there, do they win the game with the limited amount of offense? That's what you're asking yourself right now. If you're Kansas state. And that is, if we go play a clean game and don't turn it over, can we win this game 20 to 17, even if we have very limited offense? I'm not smart enough to have that answer. I I think the answer is no. They're going to have to do more than that and take a few chances and some risks and risk turning the ball over. But I know this, when K-State turns the ball over, they really don't have a chance of beating any good football teams. It's that fine of a line for them. That being said, you know, I felt like the game against Oklahoma State, it had been a long time as a K-State fan, just, just me as a fan. It had been a long time since I'd been so proud of an effort because it was completely dedicated to what they had to do that day in order to win a football game. They bought in, they executed it for the most part. They had every chance in the world to beat a better football team. And at some level, you know, when you think about COVID, the lack of players, 
the, the stud quarterback that's out for the season, all the things that happen, you just got to tip your cap to that and say, man, that is really something to behold. They're giving themselves a chance to win. And I know everybody wants to win and not just have a chance to win. But I thought that was a pretty terrific effort. I would agree. And I even thought Will Howard was a warrior. He had the two big turnovers in the fourth quarter. They were critical. And Keats, it really wasn't about the turnovers. It was about the timing of the turnovers. Yeah. Both of them were really painful, including you're getting close to scoring a touchdown and you end up with an 85-yard fumble return and a really freakish play that defines how fine the line between winning and losing in football can be. The ball bounces one way or the other, and your fate is sealed. And that's really what happened to K-State. Will Howard's a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. But he also is going to run for 125 yards and just absolutely throw his body into the breach and try to win the game, even if it costs him a lot physically. And and I like that about him. I think he's going to be a fine quarterback. Fans just have to give him the allow him the painful process of growth. Now he's just going to go through some of that right now. It's not easy for him. It's not like he can just turn around and hand it off and or throw it to someone and they make a play. That happened early when he was starting. We saw big plays come from both Briley Moore at tight end and Deuce Vaughn at running back. But what we're seeing now, what Oklahoma State did, is they did everything they needed to do to take away Deuce Vaughn. And Briley Moore was out with an injury. And that really left it up to Will Howard because the receivers are ineffective and there's no other running backs really effective other than Deuce Vaughn. That kid had to go to battle by himself. And he almost got it done against a really good Oklahoma State team. Uh, but it, I will say it's not even really about the number of turnovers. It was at West Virginia, but it's kind of about the timing of them. And if it turns out to be a meaningless turnover in the second quarter, I can live with that. But fumbling, you know, inside the 20-yard line and giving up an 85-yard return, boy, that's a backbreaker, and that's what happened. But you mentioned how hard this team played, how focused they played. Keats, that's a good Oklahoma State offense, even if it's depleted a little bit with its weapons, which it was against K-State. And that K-State defense held them to 13 points. And that was amazing. It was a, it was as good a defensive effort as I've seen from K-State in a long, long time. They'll need the same thing this week against Iowa State. This will have to be a low-scoring game, in my opinion, for Kansas State to have a chance to win it. I don't really see them winning any shootouts. But that being said, what is you know, and I'm like you, Fitz. We've been covering football our whole adult lives, and we've been around some tremendous coaches and spoken with an awful lot of people that are very smart about this game. The one thing that I can just not figure out about Kansas State, and, and, and this bodes really well to the future, I can't figure out how Kansas State still, this late in the season, is if not the number one, one of the top five big play offenses in all of college football. <laughs> I, I don't know how they're doing it. There's no stud receiver. The quarterback's a true freshman and sometimes looks confused and a little bit lost. He doesn't have a particularly strong arm or accurate arm. The running back is, is nifty when you get him into space, but can't really get yards on his own. He's not a guy that's going to run anybody over or shed a bunch of tackles. He's got to make you miss. And every single game, Kansas State comes up with two or three big plays of over 60 yards, and it makes all the difference in the world in their game. This has to be scheming. It has to be coaching. It has to be something they're doing. And it doesn't seem to matter who they play against. It seems to happen in every game. I'll be darned if I can figure it out. Fitz. Uh, I cannot figure out how they do it. Tip of the cap to Courtney Messingham, who is also maligned by fans quite a bit. I thought he did a good job against Oklahoma State, finding what worked. They kept running the... Uh, kind of triple option 
so to speak, where it's a running back or someone coming on the jet, jet sweep or Will Howard keeps it. And that just got the defense into a groove of what they needed to do on each snap. And then they hit Sammy Wheeler with the little pass that they hadn't shown yet, and it turned into a big play for Kansas State. And, of course, being the season that it is, Sammy Wheeler gets injured on the tackle and is lost for the rest of the year. So that's just kind of the way that the season's gone for K-State. <clears throat> Great play, good job, and you're gone for the year. Uh, and that's, you know, unfortunately playing into this right now. But Keats, as we record this, we're not even 100% certain the game will take place because Kansas State's COVID numbers are so bad right now that um, they're, they're not sure they're going to meet the minimum threshold for competition and might have to declare a no contest and reschedule this game for that second week of December. And we talked about this before we started recording. I like that Chris Kleiman isn't seeking that. Would it be best for his football program maybe to delay it until they're more healthy? And maybe take another off week, get healthy, and get ready for Baylor and go get off the losing streak. Yeah, probably would be best. But his inclination is to play. If we can play, if it's possible to play, let's get the game in. We're not guaranteed the game would take place on the 12th of December. If any football is going to take place in December because of COVID kind of building ahead of steam here. But... Let's just go play. If we've got the 53 and in K-State's case, enough players at all the positions, I think they're short on tight ends and and receivers as we head into this game. Uh, If they have the minimum number, play. And I think you're going to see even more receivers that maybe haven't played a ton. I think they've got some other absences out there. This is going to get very interesting as this week comes around. As we record this on Wednesday, There's another round of testing, and they'll find out on Thursday. Then they've got the pregame testing on Friday. Any one of those can trip the team up and take them below the threshold. But Keats, I like that he wants to play. And and look, if they had backed out of the Oklahoma game, that would have been a mess. They would have to play Oklahoma later in the year when they're really good. And, oh, yeah, they wouldn't have discovered a guy like Echo Boydo is actually a really good corner because they were forced to play him at Oklahoma. So... There's been some benefits with his attitude of let's go ahead and play. And uh, I admire that about him. I admire Chris Kleiman for his stance on this, and I I completely and totally respect it. He knows what's going on on the inside. Maybe it's a better situation than we know. Maybe he feels good about this game. I find that hard to believe. I mean, if they've got a dozen COVID cases and how many that are traced, they can't even, you know, practice and do all these different things. I wouldn't play just me. I wouldn't play this game. I think Kansas State is. We talked about this before. Here, Fitz. I think Kansas State has done enough for this league this year. I think falling on the sword against Arkansas State and having forty players out or whatever enough or whatever they had was enough. And they did go play Oklahoma, and it didn't look good that day. And they got a win, and that was great. I respect the process. I respect what Chris Kleiman wants to do. But of all weeks, if this thing is close and you know you're at a real disadvantage this week. It's time for a little payback for K-State. If you need a couple more weeks to regroup, get your team a little healthier, and play Iowa State on December 12th, I think they will play this game because I think Kansas State will beat Baylor. They might beat Texas, and if they do, this game would be critical toward the Big 12 title. I mean, look, I'm not trying to game the system. I'm not trying to cheat here. I'm not trying to say K-State should be some sort of a fraud. I'm just saying if it's right on the number, if it's really questionable, and you know you have a better chance in this game three weeks from now than you do now, you just tell the league, look, we've done our part. We're out this week. We need one more week. 
Yeah, I, I can see your point. I certainly can. This game has big implications for both of these programs as they really are seeking to seal a spot in the Big 12 title game that nobody thought uh, they could earn. But both of these teams caught Oklahoma early. Both K-State and Iowa State beat Oklahoma. K-State in Norman, Iowa State in Ames. It has benefited them. Oklahoma State gets Oklahoma this weekend. We'll find out how Oklahoma State measures up against a kind of rejuvenated Oklahoma program as they found their footing with Spencer Rattler at quarterback, and they've gotten some guys back from suspensions and injuries and COVID and, and all the things everyone else is going through. But the winner of this game, if it takes place Saturday in Ames, will emerge with a pretty good hand on it. Uh, a spot in the Big 12 title game because if they win out, they'll be there. And if you can win game number seven of a nine-game run, you're in pretty good shape, particularly Iowa State, who is and 5-1 in the conference. Their only loss is to Oklahoma State. And so they can actually suffer another loss because of uh, that win over Oklahoma really sets the table for both these programs to win tiebreakers with the Sooners. Texas is lurking. West Virginia is kind of hanging around that loss to Texas might have knocked them out. Uh, but it, the conference is really, really competitive this year, Keats. And I'll just ask you this. Is the conference down? Is this conference not very good this year? Or is it just the parody is making it look bad because they beat each other up? I don't think anything looks right in college football anywhere in the country. I think it all looks a little disjointed. And I think everybody's kind of felt this in their own way. When we watch these teams play, um, they, you know, there's huge lapses for every team, like even Clemson in the game that they lost, you're watching them. You're like, Oh, they got this. Okay. They got, and then, then they just don't. And they just look like they're completely lost and outclassed for a while. So I think we're seeing a lot of psycho performances around the country. Um, I, I guess it's down. Everybody says it's down when Oklahoma is not in the national title picture. I've never looked at it like that. I think there's a whole bunch of really competent, good football teams in this league and they do it a different way. You know, Oklahoma State has better players, for example, than K-State, but K-State's got a better coaching staff than Oklahoma State has. Everybody kind of has their own way. Iowa State's sitting on top. They look like they're in the best position they've ever been in to get in this title game or maybe win a championship, which is a big deal for them. But here's Kansas State that controls its own destiny. If K-State goes and wins every game the rest of the way, they're in the title game. They, all these teams, half the league controls their own destiny here with three games to go. And that's, that's a pretty remarkable thing. I like that. We used to celebrate that in the big 10 and say, look how great the big 10 is. This is when Ohio state wasn't Ohio state, right? It was when Penn state wasn't all that great. And you had this league where everybody beat everybody and you could lose two games and still win your league and go to the Rose bowl. We saw that and they celebrated that in the big 10. I think we better find a way to celebrate that this year in the big 12. Personally, I think Oklahoma is the best team in this league. I think they've become that. I think they are that. I think that's going to be hard to be disputed at the end of the year. And I have felt, even since they lost Iowa State, I felt like somehow, someway, Oklahoma is going to find their way into that title game and be Big 12 champs. Now, Oklahoma State can stop that, and I'd love that. I'd love a third loss for Oklahoma. Get them out. I know it, You know, if you're a K-State fan, you should be rooting for Oklahoma State to, to lose this game, but I, I don't have that in me. I want Oklahoma out first, and then whatever else happens after that. I agree. <clears throat> you know, I... I think Oklahoma is the best team as of right now, but those two losses still hang on them. And with that, they lose tiebreakers. So if we come down to the end of the season and either K-State or Iowa State is tied with Oklahoma at two losses, they win the tiebreaker. So that's just, the you know, that's the way it works. I, 
We might be looking at a season when Oklahoma doesn't make the Big 12 championship, which will indicate to the nation, of course, that the Big 12 stinks. I mean, that's just how it works. You're you're judged by Oklahoma solely right now. And heaven forbid if that game is uh, Oklahoma State and Iowa State in the Big 12 title or Kansas State is one of those slots, everyone's going to perceive the conference as just awful because Oklahoma and Texas are sitting at home on the championship weekend. I don't know. I don't buy that. Maybe the conference is down. I don't think K-State's very good. I think K-State's done a good job of managing the roster, managing games, getting to this point where they can put themselves in a position in the final three games to be competitive for the conference title. That's all you can ask for in year two of a new coach, and I'm really impressed by it. Uh, Shifting gears now to Brees Hall. I, I love this kid. He's so fun to watch, and it hurts that he's out of Wichita Northwest. And he ended up at Iowa State. He was locked down before Chris Kleiman was ever hired at K-State. There was no chance to flip him in the last hours. Um, He was going to Iowa State. He was signed, sealed, and delivered to the Cyclones already. And he fits really well with what they want to do offensively. Uh, And I love an offense that's based on the run game. He's averaging 147.7 yards a game, Keats. He has gone over 100 yards in all seven of Iowa State's games this season. That is the kind of baseline offensive production that can help you build everything else around and upwards from with your offense. you got a running back. It makes your receivers more open, and it makes your quarterback more relaxed because he can hand it off and pick up yardage. K-State doesn't have that on a consistent basis, and it's a huge advantage to the Cyclones in this game. And it brings me to this. Can K-State stop Brees Hall? Can they bottle him up enough where it doesn't turn into um, a game where they're just getting pounded at the point of attack? Can they shift the ability or the need to win the game to Brock Purdy's shoulders as the quarterback? Because then, then Keats, I think they're an advantage because I think Brock Purdy is good but not great. He, too, has had a lot of turnovers. He, too, got his team in a big hole against Baylor and had to bail him out. Um, but he did that because he's more experienced. But can K-State take away a very good running back in Brees Hall? Well, Purdy can lose the game for you, and that's what you want. You want if you're Kansas State, you want to put Purdy in a situation where he makes mistakes and loses the game. To give you an idea how good Hall is, he's averaging a yard per carry more than Letty Brown at West Virginia, who's terrific. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think he's terrific runner, but it's one yard per carry more for Hall at Iowa State. They're averaging over 200 a game as a team. I think Hall is somewhere around 150 a game, or maybe you just said exactly what it is, but he's, uh, you know, this team's going to run for over 200 yards a game almost every time they line up. That becomes a very long day for your defense. That means you're on the field a lot. It can be uh, dispiriting, a little degrading. The most demoralizing thing you can do to a defense is to run the football on them. This is going to be a real, real challenge for Kansas State. This guy averages a couple touchdowns a game, 150 yards or so. The team rushes for over 200. It's going to be a grind. This is a different kind of challenge for Kansas State defensively. And ultimately, they've got to find a way to get him into third and five. Although, if you get him in third and five, I'm not sure Hall isn't running the ball anyway. So, you would love to get Purdy in a situation where he's got to throw the ball and you can get some takeaways in this game. But the the real chore, the real task is getting there. We've talked about this every week, Fitz, and with the exception maybe of the West Virginia game, every, every game that we've talked about, Kansas State has lined up with something that wasn't particularly predictable. We didn't know what was coming, and we watched the game and thought, wow, they really addressed that and did well. So maybe it's just 
believing in climbing in the staff too much or, or a lot. I don't know. I kind of expect him to hold this guy in check. Maybe somebody else beats him, but I think they're going to find a way to slow him down. I think they're going to find a way. Keep him under three bills. Don't let him get over that hundred threshold. You just can't let him run wild on you. And that's really what uh, he has done to almost everyone. Ironically, his lowest performance of the season uh, in terms of yardage against Louisiana in that opener, 103 yards. Louisiana did a decent job with him. And maybe Iowa State realized after that, we've got to get Brees Hall going uh, and really get him established so we can build off other elements of this offense. The Iowa State defense is also pretty good. Um, and it's going to give some problems to K-State. Uh, I'm just ongoing concerns about K-State being creative enough to find ways to produce offense. And are there really enough things to create to produce offense? They just don't have tools, Keats. They really just lack enough tools on the offensive side of the ball right now. And it hasn't been coherent. You know, players come and go. We've had injuries cycling in and out. It's, it's been a very difficult thing. They've had a couple of weeks here, though. You know, I, all these coaches, whenever they get two weeks to dial something up, for most good coaches, and I'm not talking about Les Miles here, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, we know what Andy Reid is coming off by re- weeks with the Chiefs and with the Eagles before that. We know what good coaches do when they have a lot of time to prepare. And he's had a lot of time to prepare for this game. He may have not have known his personnel, but they've had a ton of time to figure out the opponent and know exactly how to attack them. So I, I've, I think it's a very interesting game, and – I said earlier, I don't think K-State is the kind of team that really gets blown out. Then they got blown out by West Virginia. So much of that was their own fault and turnovers and things that they did. But, I, I you know, these games are close. K-State and Iowa State, it's just a given that Farmageddon goes to the wire. For whatever reason, Kansas State just always wins this game. The fact that Chris Kleiman is here hasn't really changed that. They did it last year. So I'm hopeful for a really good game and a chance to win. And I think if you're K-State, that's all you can ask for in this one. I will have Kelly Stewart on later in the show in the second half to talk about gambling. But, Keats, I was stunned to see Iowa State open as a double-digit favorite, and it's moved to 11. The money seems to be trending towards Iowa State, kind of handling K-State, and I don't see that happening. Maybe it does end up an 11-point victory, but I I don't see K-State getting blown out again. I think they learned a lesson at West Virginia, and honestly, I think they – that was the game they kind of lost their focus. It had seemed easy to them. They had rolled off four straight victories, and it's not easy. It's never easy unless maybe it's Kansas as your opponent this year. But they just kind of, I think, took their eyes off the goal a little bit. And West Virginia is good enough, particularly at home, to take advantage of that. In case they will be focused, I'll be stunned if this is a double-digit Iowa State victory. I really will. Man, I hope you're right because I'd love to see a great game and a chance to win this ball game. You know, Vegas doesn't watch the games, okay? I know this sounds weird. When they set these lines, so much of this is just computerized now. There really isn't anything statistically Kansas State does that makes anybody think they're any good or should be 4-2 and in this league. They're not as good offensively or defensively as Iowa State. The computer also knows the last time K-State went out on the road, they got bombed. They went to West Virginia, and they weren't competitive. So these are things that flag up in the computers, and I I understand the line. I I understand why Vegas has it there. But historically, this game is not that. And Iowa State is not the greatest team in the world at covering and winning by two or three touchdowns. That's not really what they are either. These teams have some similarities. Generally, teams that play the game similarly will play the game closely. I hope you're right. I, I'm still so shell-shocked from that thing at West Virginia. 
Um, and, and, you know, what happened at the end of the game against Oklahoma State, we know that it can get really ugly really fast for K-State. When things go poorly and they turn the ball over, they can, they, it can turn on a dime and they can just look like they've got nothing. But, man, they're so disciplined in everything else they do. The way they tackle, the way they defend, the way they stay in the game, the way they keep the clock moving. I expect them to do that at least for a half in this game and have a chance in the second half. I'd love it, man. I had nothing I'd rather have than a five minutes to go in the game. It's a three-point game. K-State can have the ball or not have the ball. I don't care. But you've got a chance to win if you can get into that situation. And at that point, all of the pressure goes over onto Iowa State. I agree. You know, and showing how the the other elements of the game, offense, defense, special teams, all fit together, all complement each other and have to be in sync – was Oklahoma State's lone scoring drive against Kansas State came in that third quarter when K-State's offense couldn't pick up a first down the entire quarter, left their defense stranded on the field way too much, and that tackling led up for one drive. They had two badly missed tackles. One, Ross Elder ducked and just totally whiffed on a ball carrier who then broke loose for a long run. The other being A.J. Parker, who is normally so sound in tackling, had the guy squared up, you know, ready to pull him down on the jet sweep and just let him slip through his hands and ended up a touchdown on that play. Again, K-State has to possess the ball. I don't know how much they're going to score, but they can't leave this defense out there to be hammered away at by this Iowa State offense and a very good running back. If you give Brees Hall enough carries with Iowa State having the lead, he'll beat you up. He just will. So... uh, I think K-State's going to keep this close. I think they're going to find a way to score enough points. But it comes back to this with K-State, and this has been the missing element these last two weeks for me, Keats. For K-State to be successful, they have to do something in special teams. It's not good enough to hold your own like most teams want to do in special teams. They have to do something exceptional. Block a punt. Get a return. Something that changes the momentum of the game and takes the pressure off the offense to make those momentum-changing plays. It also helps when they score on defense, which they haven't done the last couple games. So, again, this team has to fit everything together. It has to come kind of in a lunar alignment to make everything work, and the tides are right, just right for victory. But they're good enough to do it. They've done it. And you're right, Keats. You plug these things into a computer, and the computer doesn't measure heart, doesn't measure you know, that ability to find the play, which K-State has done under Chris Kleiman. It just measures what's going in, and honestly, what's going in isn't real pretty for K-State. You're right. But this game has moved up. The line's moved from 10 to 11, which means people are betting on Iowa State. I'm just, I'm going to be, I'm excited to see this game. I hope K-State is healthy enough to play and be really competitive in it. Uh, because I, I'm very, very interested to see how this actually plays out on the field and not on a computer screen that I'm staring at, and Iowa State looks like the better team. Yeah, I think what we're saying here is we, we know Kansas State's going to have two or three big plays in the game, but they probably need four or five, and that's where special teams and defense come in. You're going to have to get them there. You're not going to make four or five big plays on offense. Typically, Kansas State will have two or three a game where they have really nice offensive plays, and, and it makes a big difference for them. they got to find a way in defense and special teams. When the computer looks at the numbers, they basically look at you know things like rush defense, total yards, all this different stuff. K-State won't stat out against anybody on that. But if you go look at like scoring offense and scoring defense, K-State's middle of the pack in the Big 12, upper middle pack, because now what you're talking about is defensive touchdowns, um, hidden yards. You, know, you score points without getting a bunch of offensive yards because you return to kick 60 yards, special teams, all those things. That's where K-State, in a lot of cases, and I think K-State's scoring defense 
maybe is actually better than Iowa State. Their defensive statistics are not, but I think their scoring defense is actually better than Iowa State. That's where a lot of this stuff comes in, and it becomes kind of hidden. Really just look at the scoring, offensive and defensive scoring, and that's right, and you, you've tapped into it. That's how K-State equalizes the playing field with everyone. It's not snap-to-snap snap offense versus defense. It's what can our defense do to shorten the field for our offense, what can our special teams do to either score or give us a very short field or an easy field goal or whatever it may be. That's exactly what this game is going to be. K-State is not going to win the statistics in this game, offense versus offense. They're, they're just not. You're exactly right. They're going to have to get it in the hidden yards. It's going to have to be special teams, uh, defensive takeaways, short fields. That's how Kansas State will have a chance. Your thoughts real quickly on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Huge game on Saturday night on ABC. The game is in Norman. Oklahoma is a seven-point favorite. Oklahoma State comes in ranked 14th, Oklahoma 18th, a rare time when the Cowboys are more highly ranked than the Sooners. Uh, I think this will be a very entertaining game, but I do think at this point Oklahoma is the better team. And and Gundy doesn't win this game. I mean, Mike Gundy just doesn't win this game, and that's that's been his bugaboo at Oklahoma State. That's why some fans you know, want to move on. They think they can do better at Oklahoma State. I think they'd be making a terrible mistake if they did that, but there's just no reason to believe that Oklahoma state is going to win this game until they go win this game and show you that in any given year, they're actually better than Oklahoma. There is no reason to believe that, you know, if they'd played at Oklahoma earlier this year, they might've picked them off, but now they're playing them when Oklahoma's playing better. I, I have no reason to believe that Oklahoma state will win this game unless Oklahoma just does something unbelievably stupid, like lay the ball on the turf four times or, or something like that. I, I think, I think the Sooners, I think they may actually roll. I think they may win it by 17 or more. I think they'll want to make a point, and that point will be we are still the best team in the Big 12. Dear football playoff committee, love us even though we have two losses. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Thank you very much. His name's Kevin Keatsman. You can catch him on his podcast every day, sometimes multiple times a day. That's how he performs. Make sure you check out Kevin Keatsman has issues. <laughs> and we will be back after the break with our roundtable. We got them lined up. Ryan Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Kelly Stewart await on the second half of the Powercat pregame show brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. The Powercat podcast will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the Fitz and Keats PowerCat pregame show brought to you by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame show. Now we open up the roundtable and we start, as always, with Go PowerCat's own Ryan Wallace, our recruiting editor, and he helps out with team coverage. And he has been uh, living at the edge of the portal for far too long this football season as Wally has been uh, spearheading the transfer parade that is happening at Kansas State. And let's start there because it's a topic beyond this game that a lot of K-Staters are talking about. They're up to nine or is it ten? There's one we know about that we haven't reported yet and we plan on reporting Friday at Go Powercat. Wally, this is a lot of transfers, but it's not uncommon around the country, is it? No, I mean, I think if you go into 24-7, we have access to look at um, every team uh, that has players in the transfer. And you'll see that K-State is on the higher end of things, joining such other programs as Mississippi State, Washington State. Now, those two schools obviously are dealing with new coaches. But Chris Kleiman's fairly new himself. Um, I think what it boils down to is something that you've talked at length about on some of our other Go Power Cat podcasts, and that is just that take every emotion that you would normally have for any given season if you were a you know up and coming seventeen eighteen year old star <laughs> uh, at least in, in the high school ranks, and now heighten those emotions times you know ten because you're you know eighteen to twenty years old. You're living in a bubble. Everything is strict. You basically have schoolwork, which is online. You go to football, and you come home and stare at the walls of your apartment, dorm, house, whatever. Uh, and so that college experience that you envisioned, you don't get. You're far from home. Um, it, it just all com- you know, combines into a total package that is wanting to escape. And on top of that fits. The escape route now doesn't seem that bad because you don't lose anything. You're going to, you're not going to miss a, a year of eligibility if you decide to transfer out. And so, heck, if you aren't playing uh, and maybe you're not gelling with the staff or other players, might as well hit the road. And you know what? The, the latest in uh, being Will Jones, a freshman who played, heck, he had the block punt against Arkansas State. I mean, he played early for this team. And now he's in the transfer portal. It's frustrating, but the good news is for Kansas State is there are plenty of players in the transfer portal. I mean, if they need immediate replacements, there will be players out there. But also, they're going to get a little crowded in recruiting classes with guys coming back with this season not counting towards eligibility. It's not the worst thing in the world. The 21 class that they're working on right now is going to be small. 22 will probably be small. It's just adding some spots in those classes, and they can fill them later. But like I said, if they want to go take guys out of the transfer portal, there's plenty of bodies in there. And honestly, Ryan Walsh, there's more guys in the transfer portal than landing spots. 
it's going to get ugly for some of these guys that are going to find out, hey, I plan to transfer. I don't know where. And then they can't find a place to transfer because everyone's backed up on scholarships because this season doesn't count towards eligibility. Yeah, I mean, the numbers game is is really chaotic, but I thought it was enlightening and kind of gave us a glimpse into what's going on in the veneer complex when you and I had a chance to talk to Hank Jacobs on the Sources podcast earlier in the week. And we asked him straight up, you know, how do you manage the numbers game right now and keep track of, you know, eligibility and player participation and all this stuff? And Hank basically said, you know, we've got the compliance department that will help us keep track of scholarships and and they do a good job within the football department as well. But overall, like, guys, we're not going to be gun shy about offering kids. You know, if we feel confident in a guy, we're going to offer him and bring it on, bring him on because attrition happens every year. This year, it's a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I, I think that what Hank was getting at was if we start worrying ourselves with, oh, we already are full there or this year, then I think you start overthinking it. And I, I think, like you said, it's a really strong point that while fans are freaking out about all the guys entering the transfer portal from K-State, you also think about the numbers that are already in the transfer portal from other programs, and you're going to be able to find quick fixes here. And really, uh, on top of that, other than maybe safety um, and, and obviously defensive tackle, most of these other positions, they're they're not exactly thin at. So, you know, find a quick replacement for those positions of need that you, you have to have. And otherwise, just continue to develop the guys that are already in your program. Exactly. Um, as we record this, we don't know if the game will even take place because of, you know, one of the things that's happening here with COVID-19, as you mentioned, is everyone's locked down. There's an outbreak in Manhattan, a out, small outbreak within the team, but it's put them so close to the numbers. If they get anyone else injured or that has to quarantine due to possible exposure. Uh, we're guessing it's receiver, maybe safety, possibly tight end. They're running low on some positions. This game may not take place, which would be a shame because um, I, I want to see K-State get in all the games. And I think Chris Kleiman feels the same way, Ryan Wallace. He's not looking for an out. It might be advantageous to wait another week and uh, play at Baylor and then reschedule this Iowa State game for December 12th. But that's not really how he's wired. He wants to play the games, even if he has to start Echo Boy Doe at, at cornerback at Oklahoma. He wants to play. And look what happened. He turns out he found out a re- that Echo's ready to play. And uh, he hadn't shown that in practice, but forced into a game opportunity, he stepped up. So I, I think Chris Kleiman in this weird season is just inclined to play and see what happens. But this is a big game. Let's say they do play. How do you think K-State matches up with Iowa State? Well, I would feel a lot better if we were a, a week further along in the schedule and we were talking about K-State dealing with you know thin numbers at practice and preparing for Baylor rather than preparing for Iowa State. Um, it's an Iowa State team, quite frankly, that, um, has been really good. Um, it, it, on paper, you know, I know people harp on Matt Campbell being overrated. They harp on Brock Purdy being overrated. And a lot of these players, coaches aren't perfect. But the simple fact is that this is a team that, you know, they've been in a lot of shootouts. I think four of their seven games have been decided by one score, but they're also three and one in those games. And they're very close aside from, you know, a hiccup in week one, which K-State, had the same thing happen to him right out of the gate um, against Arkansas State. 
Same thing happened to Iowa State against a pretty good Louisiana Lafayette team. But other than that, they're like a score away from beating Oklahoma State and, you know, being at the driver's seat of the Big 12. It's a team uh, as well fits when you dive deeper into the stats. Top three in the Big 12 in nine statistical categories. I'm going to run through them really fast. Scoring offense, rushing defense, rushing offense, kick returns, sacks against, penalties, third down conversion, time of possession, and red zone defense. If you put all those together, I think the common denominator here, Fitz, is that they win the line of scrimmage on both sides. Um, that, I think, is where the game will ultimately come down to. Brees Hall, man, that's going to be a thorn in K-State side for at least a couple more years, I would imagine. Wichita Northwest, he was signed, sealed, and delivered by the time Chris Kleiman arrived in Manhattan, I believe, and he was headed to Iowa State. There was no breaking that bond. This one stings, though. This is a really front-line, top-shelf running back now tearing it up for Iowa State that they plucked right out of your own backyard. This kid's good. He's gone for more than 100 in every game. Averages 147.7 a game. He's special. And stopping him and trying to control that line of scrimmage with the defense is going to be tough for Kansas State, isn't it? Yeah, and I could be a little mistaken on my memory, but if if what I'm recalling serves me correct, I believe one of the things that caught K-State in a disadvantage with Brees Hall is they weren't really committed to him being a full-time running back. I think they liked the idea of him being more of an athlete in their offense, again, speaking from Bill Snyder's staff, um, that they wanted to move him around, and I, and I totally get it. But at the same time, I think Brees Hall has gone on to more than prove himself as an every-down type back. He leads the Big 12 in rushing. He's averaging over six yards a carry, leaves the league with 13 rushing touchdowns as well. Um, and again, I just think it, it speaks to uh, – the way that, that not only Matt Campbell uses him, but a lot of the designs that they have with their offensive line, they have been one of the best rushing offensive teams, not only in the Big 12, but really in this in this region and in the country this season. And in a way, I think it's taken some of the pressure off of Brock Purdy. You know, I think uh, the Iowa State receivers aren't exactly their strong suit. And I think if you pressure Brock Purdy enough, He's bound to make some some errors. I mean, the miscues have been there this season because I think he leads or he's tied for the league lead in interceptions with six. But I think he's more than proven himself as an every down back. And, you know, when you look at Iowa State, I think the key for K-State when they face Brees Hall is I think you've got to cut the head off of that Cyclone offense. And by doing that, I think it is Brees Hall. I don't know if that's, you know, loading the box. Um, because then K-State could get beat over the top by one of the top tight ends in Charlie Kohler. Um, but I, to me, I think that's probably the best um, potion for, for stopping this Iowa State attack is if Joe Klanderman pressures Brock Purdy, forces him into some miscues because he, he is tied for the league lead in interceptions. He'll try and force some balls in, in places that they don't belong. Um, but I think really, I think that, again, speaks to the fact of you got to cut off Brees Hall and then, you know, basically put it in the hands of Brock Purdy to beat you one-on-one. And he's shown at times that he can do that, but he's very unpredictable as well. So um, Brees Hall is going to be obviously a focal point. But I'll finish by saying this, Fitz, is as much as you want to try and stop Brees Hall, he's run for over 100 yards in every game, win or lose, for Iowa State. So uh, maybe Joe Klanderman has other ideas because so far nobody's been able to accomplish that feat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a lot smarter than us, and 
Uh, maybe they just go after Purdy and understand that they're going to give up 150 to a running back. I don't think they want to do that. You usually want to stop the run game first. But if if you put this game in Brock Purdy's hands, I feel better about it because he has been turnover prone this year. He hasn't played quite as well as one would expect. Uh, he got himself in a little hole against Baylor, and the team was able to dig out of it and win in the second half at home in Ames. Uh, but I think uh, he's someone that K-State, maybe with that front four, can pressure and bat around a little bit and maybe get into his noggin and get some turnovers out of Brock Purdy. We will see. The other problem facing Kansas State is people know about Deuce Vaughn now. And the Wildcats have played two really good defenses in West Virginia and Oklahoma State, and they've bottled up Deuce Vaughn. They have dedicated their defense to stopping the little true freshman running back, and they have done so. And the problem for Kansas State is they don't have other answers on the offensive side of the ball. Bradley Moore got hurt at West Virginia, didn't play with against Oklahoma State. We expect him probably to play this game, but he may not be 100%. People are on Courtney Messingham, K-State's offensive coordinator. But again, if you don't have the horses, it's hard to run the race. And going against a really solid Iowa State defense led by junior linebacker Mike Rose, uh, this is a good defense. Maybe a step below those two that they've just faced, but it's a small step. This is still a defense capable of taking away Deuce Vaughn and saying, okay, Will Howard, what else you got? Can you beat us by yourself? And the answer against those State was no. And I'm afraid that Courtney Messingham, unfortunately, is about to catch even more uh, after this game because I think it's going to be another long day at the office for he and, and K-State trying to figure out ways to score on Iowa State's defense, and they get it done in the front seven. Very experienced, strong group. I think six of the seven are two, at least two-year letter winners, three seniors, three juniors up there starting. Jaquan Bailey is obviously the name that, that uh, K-State will have to key. He's been dominant, five, and a, five sacks or five and a half sacks on the season. Um, and you mentioned Mike Rose. He might be one of the top linebackers in the country, um, let alone the Big 12. I think – Unfortunate for K-State, where Iowa State is most vulnerable and susceptible is probably the secondary. Their nickel and corners have experience fits, but they're just not that strong. They're just not that great of players when you compare them to their front seven. And so where K-State would have an advantage might be with a Briley Moore or getting a Deuce Vaughn you know, out on a wheel route or having receivers that can go against those corners and – you know, they just don't have that right now. Will Bradley Moore play? That seems unlikely given the fact he wasn't even in pads earlier this week. Um, like you said, people have figured out Deuce Vaughn and the receivers, the ones that we believe they'll have in Ames, um, have been so up and down that it's just hard to put a lot of confidence in them. So uh, I really am fearful about, you know, K-State. Maybe they find a way to get over the top of this Iowa State defense and create some big plays, but um, you know, heading in as we, as we talk about this game on Thursday, I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence. I'll just be honest. Thank you, Ryan Wallace. Good stuff as always. Now we bring in our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com, Mr. Brian Hanley. Brian, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Are how you, about you, Tim? Are you available to play Saturday? Because <laughs> they're running out of bodies, and I'd much rather have you out there than me. Well, I guess I'm available. I don't know if I have eligibility. I can give them two snaps. Uh, there's a difference between available and able. 
That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. uh, yeah, getting very worrisome. They're really close on the cusp of numbers-wise, not being able to compete on Saturday. But as I discussed earlier in the show, Chris Kleiman just wants to play. I mean, if he's got the right yeah. number of guys at the right number of positions, he's going to play. He's not looking to duck out of a game, even if it's to his advantage. And good for him. And, you know, honestly, maybe waiting till early December to play Iowa State may not be a bad idea, but they're probably going to play on Saturday. And it's not a great matchup. And you know what? No. It it doesn't matter to me because K-State just seems to be – uh, the nemesis of Iowa State, and they were last year too. They do. Um, you know, they just just seem to have something. Just seems to have their go as as far as you, they can't. I mean, they'll they'll win every now and then, but Case they I mean, Case they just seems to have their number. I don't know what it is. I, don't, I just don't know what it is. A lot of it is a little confidence thing. And, you know, kids get in their own way sometimes. And then also the confidence on our part where, hey, you know what? We've beat these guys so many times. We're just going to go do our thing and go beat them again. So uh, it's going to be a lot tougher this time. I can tell you that Iowa State's really, really good. They're talented. So we're going to have our hands full. We can't just show up and win a football game. But at the same time, uh, you know, Kansas State has a history of showing up and playing well there. So we'll see what happens. Exactly. You got to play it, and you will probably, uh, as far as we know, have Deuce Vaughn available for this game. And here's the challenge facing Courtney Messingham in this offense. Oklahoma State blatantly, obviously, schemed to take away Deuce Vaughn and challenge someone else to do it. Will Howard ran well, but the offense as a whole didn't put up many points. Is this going to be business as usual for K-State going ahead, going forward in the season? that everyone's going to just focus on Deuce Vaughn and take him away, particularly if Briley Moore isn't on the field. I don't know who you go to at that point. Yeah, that's what's going to – it's going to be status quo because we're going to – they're going to make us throw the ball down the field. They're not going to let us run it. They're not going to let us get it to Deuce out of the backfield. They're literally going to take all of that away, and they're going to say, here you go, freshman quarterback. Can you beat us? And not can you beat us. Can you go down the field? and beat us. And so it's just going to be, have to be something where the receivers are going to have to be on their a game. We're going to have to have a good scheme, a good strategy, but also you can't just give up just because they're taking stuff away. It doesn't mean you just give up and don't try things as well. I think sometimes offensive coordinators get in their own way where, Hey, they're taking this away and they just forget about it completely, you know, and just don't try to run and don't try to do those things. That would be a mistake too. Even if you're just keeping them honest, you got to still run your stuff, you know, and give yourself an opportunity because again, you got to think these are things that you do well as well. Just so, just because they want to try to take it away. If you do it well, maybe you doing it well is better than what they can you know, put out there and try to stop you with. Well, it is an interesting balance to try to find how to use Deuce in this offense, and Chris Kleiman has discussed that. They need to come up with some new stuff that maybe opponents haven't seen week to week and figure out how to get Deuce in space and create some turmoil for the K-State offense because they don't create much turmoil. They're down in receivers. Um as we're going to report later in the week, they're down further in receivers for this game. This is uh, one of the spots on the field that they might be able to declare a no contest with because they don't have enough able-bodied receivers. Uh, they've got to find a way to throw the ball. Now they're down two tight yeah. ends. 
We think Bradley Moore will be able to go at Iowa State, but Sammy Wheeler was lost for the season, so they've lost their two best pass-catching tight ends. Uh, I just I feel for Courtney Messingham. You, you can't create offense out of thin air. You've got to have some tools, and everyone goes, well, call better plays, scheme a little bit. And that can help you, but you still have to have the physical ability to execute those plays. And I'm beginning to worry they're just kind of out of things, out of stuff to run. Yeah. I mean, you can have the best playbook that was ever designed, but if you don't have the players, it doesn't really matter. And just having guys available. I mean, so I'm one of those people, too, that, hey, we got to call better stuff. But I'm also a realist is just, you know, if you don't have the guys available, you just don't have the guys available. There's not much you can do about that. You can't just I mean, just what you said. You can't make offense out of thin air. You know, you got to have the guys that to go out there and do it. So it's going to be tough. It's not impossible, but it's definitely going to be tough. Um, we got our 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 work cut out for us, to say the least. No doubt about it. Kansas State's offense will certainly have some issues scoring against this Iowa State defense, a pretty darn solid Iowa State defense. Maybe a little bit behind Oklahoma State and West Virginia, but still experienced, and they will be doing the right thing at the right time, typically. So that's a challenge for the K-State offense. But maybe the bigger challenge in this game is a very solid K-State defense that I thought did an extremely good job against Oklahoma State going up against a multifaceted Iowa State offense led by running back Brees Hall, a Wichita native who I just love, and he racks up 100-yard games like it's nothing. Nothing. Can they stop Brees Hall from getting over uh, three digits? I mean, they're going to have to. If they're going to win this football game, that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, put together a great defensive effort and just take it away. You know, that's one thing that the defense has done a good job all year long of of taking something away. You know, um, the West Virginia game was notwithstanding. I mean, the defense has done a pretty good job all year. This is going to be a game where if you can make Purdy one-dimensional, if you can do that, you've got a chance against them because you can force him. He'll throw it to you. I mean, he will give you that opportunity, you know, when you put some pressure on him. I'm just not a believer in him. But so we got to take away the run game because he, the quarterback, will throw you that football if pressure is applied, which we know we can put on pressure. But now if we take away the run game and force them to throw the football, when even when they don't want to necessarily throw it, then that's where we're going to have our most our biggest success because he'll throw the football to us. We just have to be there to catch it. It will be interesting to see if they can turn that into a game about Brock Purdy instead of Brees Hall because you're right. I'm not a huge Brock Purdy fan. I'd take him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Sure. He's, a, he's a good quarterback, but I think the hype's been a little ahead of the game. We saw him oh, yeah. at Baylor last week throw some interceptions and, and get into trouble or a couple of weeks ago and, and put his team in a deficit at halftime, and then he was good enough to come back in the second half and get it done. And really, it's not about turnovers. It's about when you're turning it over. And unfortunately for Will Howard, there were very painful, difficult to overcome turnovers in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean that was that was a bad one. I mean it just was. I mean he didn't play. He didn't play awful, and it wasn't all on him. It was just you know untimely turnovers, and then the turnover goes for a touchdown. You know it's one thing to turn the football over 
but it's another thing for it to go all the way for a touchdown the other direction, you know, and that was pretty much the game. I mean, but it is what it is. You know, it's we just have to do a better job of, of helping the quarterback. If we can do a better job of helping the quarterback, and I know we were going to have our challenges, but if we're playing a football game, then we might as well go win a football game. So we just got to put ourselves in a position to be there at the end and then go win the football game. Starts up front as usual. You know, I know I'm that guy that as far as the offensive line, but it starts up front and we got to be better there. We just got to be better. Um, we got to put ourselves in a better position. So we'll see what happens. If that offensive line does a good job, I don't care if they are scheming to stop someone, you can be productive in the run game. It eventually Absolutely. becomes about hat on hat, win your battles, um, make someone Absolutely. miss and get into the open field. We'll see if K-State's offense can generate some steam in this game because they need to do that. What we saw against Oklahoma State was a dreadful third quarter, stranded the defense on the field too often, and Oklahoma State got its one offensive touchdown in the game in that quarter. K-State's offense has to do enough to score and keep the pressure off the defense. I'm not talking 35 points. If you can go down and finish off the drives you're putting in the red zone like they did earlier in the season, now they've been kicking field goals, man. You can't be kicking field goals right now. It's gotten them into no. trouble two games in a row. Put right. the ball in the end zone. Be better on That's third right. and short. Be better in the red zone. Uh, just execute. And uh, whether it's play calling or player performance, be a little bit better and that will make the result different. I really think they can win these games if they just do a few little things better. Correct. Special teams, Brian, they got to get something out of it. They've tried to win two games in a row without anything from special teams. It's part of the K-State magic formula. They better find a way to make a play in special teams. They did it last year from the get-go with the kickoff return against Iowa State, and it set a tone in that game. It would be really helpful to get it in this game. Yeah, we, we got to do something. Again, when you're outmanned and you're outnumbered, you got to have something be happen on your behalf, you know, that, that is unexpected. You know, so it's, in kicking game is K-State's mantra. I mean, that's what we're known for is having something happen on special teams. So we got to make something happen. And not just – it doesn't always have to be touchdowns either. Field position – Getting punt returns, maybe a punt block. We got to win the special teams and outright win it. You know, getting 10 and 15 yard punt returns at a time. People don't think, sometimes they think if you don't score a touchdown, that it doesn't make a difference. It can make a difference, just field position in general. So we just got to win the, the kicking game and make some things happen to help everything else. That's got to be part of our winning formula because we're just not as talented right now as what we need to be and to win games without that, and we need those things to happen for us. Thank you, Brian Hanley. Appreciate your insights as always. And now we bring in Kelly Stewart, our gambling expert out in Vegas. You can find her on social media, Kelly in Vegas. Kelly, as I just said to you before we started recording, I'm not sure we're going to have this game, but we're going to talk about this game. We're going to pretend the COVID monster isn't out there trying to cancel a football game or postpone it in this case. K-State, Iowa State, 3 p.m. Saturday up in Ames. The line has climbed to Iowa State by 11. How do you feel about that line? 
I'm shocked that it climbed that high. Yeah. So uh, Circus Sports here in Las Vegas puts out the early college football numbers on Sunday afternoon. There was a nine. I took it. I said, you know what? I'm going to take the nine with K-State. I think K-State can keep it close here against this Iowa State team. Flash forward two days later, I now have a bad number in my pocket, and I don't know how I feel about it. Look, this is a really scrappy K-State team. We've talked about it several times. Iowa State getting a lot of love. A lot of people think because they have that one over Oklahoma, they can now um, – basically seal their fate to win the big 12. And I'm thinking not so fast. I mean, I hope this game is be being played. People are sure betting it as if it's going to be played, but I think K-State showed a lot of grit two weeks ago. We spoke about it on your show. I said, Hey, listen, K-State has a shot to win this game. This is way too many points. And I feel the same way this week. Now I know Iowa state kind of fell flat against Baylor. If you will, they blew out KU the week before, but this K-State team I feel like can go into Ames and get a win. And I know that sounds a little crazy being a double digit underdog, but this is that type of team. This is what they do. They underachieve against teams like Arkansas state and West Virginia, and they overachieve against top 25 teams. Yep. Chris Kleiman has a track record. He can't prepare a team for a big game. And this is a big game. The winner will come out of it in a pretty good position to make it to the Big 12 championship, K-State a little bit more pressure with the two losses as opposed to Iowa State with the one Big 12 loss. Uh, but they still will be in good control if, if they take care of business. Uh, you know, from a gambling uh, perspective, I would take Kansas State. That doesn't mean I think they're going to win, but I, I like the number. You know, I like you, I prefer 11 over 9, but I do think they'll play within a touchdown. This K-State team competes in games just like this. They beat Iowa State last year, and I think they could win this game if Will Howard and company can find a way to generate enough offense to, yes, score points, which is always important, but also keep the ball and keep the defense off the field because the only time they had problems against Oklahoma State is when the offense sputtered and they got stranded on the field for too long in the third quarter and they wore out. This defense can stop a good offense. Can Kansas State's offense maintain the ball and score enough points to win? And that's really the question that looms over this K-State team all season long. Yeah, Tim, in, in regards to the total, I was just looking at it, and we've seen these totals for K-State gradually start to tick back down. They, we know that against KU, they went over the total by themselves, but now we're starting to see that K-State defense really start to step up and be able to keep themselves within the game. And in order to do that, you're right, either their options are to match scores with Iowa State or to basically win the time of possession and to be able to put up enough points just to pull off the win. Well, looking at the spread and the total, they're kind of thinking Iowa State 28-17, somewhere in that range. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that, but I think K-State needs points out of special teams or defense. They need a little help. They need to push that offense along, just like they did earlier in the season. They've done that in TCU, you know, at uh, Texas Tech. When they win, it's a complete team effort, and they're going to have to get back to that because, honestly, the offense hasn't carried its load for two games now, and it's just very troubling. The other, I would agree with go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. The other game in the Big 12 is Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Kansas and Texas has been delayed thanks to COVID to December 12th. So it's a two-game weekend. Both games are very significant in terms of who's going to end up in that Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State ranked 14th is actually the higher-ranked team. Oklahoma at number 18. 
O-State 4-1 in the Big 12, Oklahoma 4-2 on the four-game winning streak since losing to K-State and Iowa State. Oklahoma is a seven-point favorite at home as the higher-ranked team. Is that about right in your estimation? It's a little high, and I expect it, though. Look what people remember last, and that's Oklahoma beating the bricks off KU and Oklahoma State almost getting upset on the road to Can- by Kansas State. So I don't expect that. People know they're going to bet Oklahoma. When we spoke two weeks ago, this is kind of a funny thing because this is Oklahoma who's used to playing a couple of cupcake schools usually uh, to start the season, and then they start to get their offense clicking, and that's exactly what happened here. K-State found this team at the right time. They were able to upset Iowa State, same thing. This Oklahoma team is firing on all cylinders. I think this is going to be a really great rivalry game. I do lean towards Oklahoma State here in too many points, and uh, I think you got to have a really big pair if you want to bet the Thunder. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I I think it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to seeing it after K State. Now I say that's a nighttime game that K State uh, K State will be done, and Oklahoma Oklahoma State hook up. I'm going to be very entertained by that. One more out-of-conference I want to ask you about, Indiana at Ohio State. Uh, I'm kind of following along with Indiana. I'm intrigued by this story. They're beating teams that you normally wouldn't think they could beat. They've beaten Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State this season. They've also beaten Rutgers. They're 4-0. They're ranked ninth in the country. They're going into Ohio State. Great program, great team. They're ranked third. 20 and a half points Ohio State is favored by. I think Indiana... They're not winning fluky games. They're winning games. I think this is a pretty good Indiana team. I kind of feel like this is K-State going to Nebraska in the 1990s. Nobody thinks they can do it. They think they're going to get pummeled. And you know what? I think this game's going to be kind of entertaining. I want this game to be entertaining so bad, especially with the total in the six, like high 60s. I think it will be. This is an Indiana team that I was on to beat Penn State. This is an Indiana team I was on. Um, excuse me, I was against with Michigan. And then we saw who Michigan really was and left that one alone. Now, Indiana then just shutting out Michigan State at home last week was really surprising. I had somebody tweet me and ask me what I thought this line would be. This was on last Saturday night. I said, uh, Ohio State minus 13 and a half. When it opened 21, I was completely floored. I I don't know what to make of it. Look, Iowa State, excuse me, Ohio State, really great team. We know that this team has a very good shot of winning the national championship. Are they 21 points better at home to an Indi- a really scrappy Indiana team? The problem is, is it sure looks like it. And that's what really scares me here. I, I want this to be a competitive game. I wouldn't be surprised if the what we call the back door is open, Tim, and the, the line's sitting on, you know, Ohio State's up. 24 and it lands on 17. I, uh, I I can't believe that the difference between number three and number nine is that significant. But the bookmakers seem to think so. I think they got some early money on Indiana, and it's going to be all Ohio State money. People are very, very high on the Buckeyes this year and think that those wins that Indiana have are rather fluky or to not very good Big Ten teams. Well, I'll say this. If Ohio State does route Indiana by three touchdowns or more, the Big Ten is trash. Ohio State's by far the best team, and everyone else is just hanging out, playing games, because Indiana, in my book, is the second-best team in that conference, and if they get run out of Ohio State, uh, it's just it's not a very good league this year, and it doesn't appear to be that way. But I encourage K-Staters maybe to watch that game, because I do see a lot of similarities in how Indiana 
is all of a sudden very competitive. I don't think this is an oddity of the COVID year. I think Indiana is legitimately a pretty good football team, and they're on the climb. And that game will be at 11 a.m. on Fox leading up to K-State at 3 p.m. on Fox. So it's uh, make it a party. Make it a nice little party. Root for the Hoosiers, and then uh, you, you can watch your cats. Kelly, thank you very much. Hope you have a good weekend. I hope you have a fruitful gambling weekend. Thanks, Tim. You know I always need the luck. Thank you, Kelly. Fantastic stuff as always, and it's always good to talk to you. And that brings our roundtable to a close. As we near the end of this PowerCat pregame show, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, Kansas State, Iowa State. Scheduled for Saturday at 3 p.m. in Ames, Iowa. Will the game take place? That is the big question as we enter the final days of this week leading up to Saturday's game up in Iowa. We don't know the situation of Kansas State's COVID-19 infections as we record this. Will K-State have enough bodies at enough positions to be able to play the game? They've come close this season, almost having to postpone Oklahoma and really being short on players against Arkansas State. They played both of those games with obvious mixed results, losing to Arkansas State and pulling a stunning upset of the Oklahoma Sooners using mostly untested cornerbacks in that game. That worked out for K-State. Will playing this game short on numbers at receiver, safety, maybe tight end, work out the same way for the Cats? If they do manage to play the game, I will return... If they do play the game, I will return to my studio and call up Brian Hanley, our football analyst, and do a post-game podcast on Saturday evening to talk about the Cats and Clones. 3 p.m. Will they play? Will they not play? Follow the coverage at GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.